Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of Grow or Die. I am Laura Testicott from Firebird Summit. What is going on, everybody? I'm Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Laura, it's always a pleasure getting to spend a little bit of time with you. And you too as well, my friend. So tell me, what is today's topic? Today's topic is all about navigating conflict in all of its glory. Uh, uh, glory. That's, see, that makes it sound like so much like sexy, glamorous fun. But if you heard the words. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and the funny part about it is that's part of what we do with conflict is somehow, some way, and particularly us coaches, right, that we... We are the masters of a reframe. Um, and, and even though like life sucks, like just does. And and but there's something about it that, okay, so what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Right. And that, that's kind of where I land with it. And and again, like like similar to you, and as we were just talking um about just all the things that are happening in the world and to, you know, not only to within our own lives, but to people we care about. Um, and in particular, again, navigating change and transition and all the rest of those things, as me and my family have over the past several months. Um, but when you when you hear the words, just navigating conflict, where, where's that land with you, Alora? So I think what immediately comes up for me is that some, you know, different flavors have different degrees of agony that go with them, right? Like there are some places in my life where doesn't even date me. Like I, you know, it's funny. I, I spent most of my career in a job where like, you know, part of my job was always to give bad news to people, right? Bad news to clients, bad news to employees, bad news to my boss. So like, I am really good in that capacity as being the bearer of bad news, getting yelled at for being the messenger of bad news, and then having to go back and figure out how do we, how do we mitigate whatever this thing is as well as possible. And so like in, in that area of my life, it really doesn't normally phase me. So I actually find myself sometimes surprised when I'm talking to someone else. I'm like, well, I have to tell a client, you know, client really thinks we can do this, but you know, we can't, we're going to have to do this instead. And like, because, because I think I got sort of inured to that version of a conversation really early in my career, I always find it like, oh, really? You're worried about that? And so I find myself surprised there. Whereas on, on the other side, like, you know, if I'm having a disagreement with my husband and we're just in absolute, con- like that is a totally different, it brings up so much other stuff. So I think for me, what I've gotten clearer and clearer about is that there are places, I kind of think of it like concentric circles, right? Like there, there are some circles in my life as you move out from the, from the center where it's not a big deal. And sometimes like the really far outer circles, it's not a big deal because like you're just not that invested, right? I mean, telling somebody bad news, if you have no real investment, nah. if you, if you know, you're kind of that next layer in, maybe 
you do have some degree of investment, but you're not taking stuff personally. So that part becomes a little bit easier. But as you kind of move closer and closer to the core of your life, I think, you know, for me, that's where conflict gets a lot tougher as, as you get closer. Yeah. And, and it's funny, um, as, as you were going in and I'm super familiar with, with kind of that circle, right. Those kind of circles of influence and, and control and all those other things. And I think for me, one of the biggest reasons that, you know, I still find it hard with the circles, right. And the layers of conflict is, is not there being an immediate ability to pinpoint where it's coming from. Right. And, and I'm, I'm such a, I need to know, right. I'm a reverse engineer. Like, like I'm, I'll dig into it so I can fix it. So I can like make it go away. And when it's not readily available, like I can stall myself out a bit. And, and um, it actually happened to me kind of earlier in this week, I was like, I just feel like I'm in a funk and it's like been riding me for the last couple of weeks where I would get up for meetings and I would, you know, kind of go there and, you know, some people are like, oh man, you kind of probably depressed. And I was like, nah, I wasn't feeling it. I, there was some type of internal conflict with why I couldn't move forward with things in my life. And I finally was like, all right, I give up. And the moment I threw my hands up to whatever it was, was when it was like, okay, now you're ready to actually deal with the conflict that you were actually experiencing. And it was a closer to the center core type of issue that I literally was like, I would approach it, approach it, turn left. I would approach it, approach it, turn right. Like I, I like every time I got close to it, like I would bail out. Um, and, and so finally I was surrendered to it. And, and that's when I got what I needed to get if, as it pertains to conflict. So it's so funny. I don't think of you as a procrastinator ever, but it sounds like when you, that's what that's that's the tactic you defaulted to when you were not certain how to explain what was happening. That is a that is exactly what happened. And and the crazy part about it is it's like I frustrated myself, but it's, it was almost like watching a movie you've seen before. And it's like, but you can't. But, you know, the outcome. If, if this happens, if you do this, but it's like, I couldn't do anything about it. And, and it was, and that in and of itself was causing me conflict. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> so, okay. So that's actually, a, so in that case, it was just, you kind of like, just trying to shrug it off and just lean into it and stop trying to fight it. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to dig under it. Just like, suck it up. This is what it is. And that made the difference. 100%. 100%. And, and I, even, I even, and I, and I'll tell our audience, I, I, I cried a singletary, solitary thug tear because I <laughs> some tension in my life that it I was having some internal stuff happening. And it just was like, ha, ah. but it, but it was like, it was almost like that was a pressure release mm -hmm. and it freed up everything else. Right. And, and inside of it, and I think a lot of people, what happens to Laura and, and probably you and the things that are going on in your life with some of your peers and your friends, is just like when you're locked up in those things, you don't even realize what you you have lost access to when you're locked in that type of conflict. Well, and it's interesting that you say that, too, because so it's funny, because for me, I 
as I think about what you just said, right, which is that for you where conflict becomes harder to either push through or anything is because you're trying to figure out what the cause is, right? And for you, figuring out the cause is, is how you are most confident going and dealing with it. It's funny because for me, I don't, I don't think it's as much about, I don't think it's as much about the cause as I think my, when I start, especially when I start trying to avoid conflict, like the avoiding thing is like, that's the hardest one because you can't get anything resolved if you're avoiding stuff, right? But I think for me, the hardest thing to avoid is I, I hate emotional reactions. I hate, I hate my own emotional reactions. I hate other people's emotions. I hate emotional reactions. And so I, I always know that, first of all, if I'm having, if I can recognize that I am having an emotional reaction, I'll usually throw a flag on the play and be like, I, I, like, I need a timeout because I am, I, am, I am being emotional right now. I don't like that. I'm not okay with that. I try to avoid making decisions or certainly having a difficult conversation in that state because that's when like stuff gets away from me that I regret later. So I try to be really careful there. But Sometimes it's not me, right? Sometimes it's someone else's emotional reaction that either I'm watching happen and I'm and I'm trying to figure out how to de-escalate it, or I am afraid they're going to do it. And I think that's actually again, it comes back to that anticipation piece, right? Because if you're if you're worried that they're gonna have one, you're you're also sort of not being fair to them because you're you're anticipating their behavior before they've actually demonstrated it, and then you just sort of preemptively shut yourself up. And so for me, that. I think is really where I get caught the most where it's like, okay, I'm just going to walk on eggshells. Cause I know, you know, like I know my grandmother's in a bad mood or like, like whatever. Like I know something is, is, is in sort of this like touchy hypersensitive state. And because I'm so reaction from anybody, um, if I, if I feel like I'm, you know, maybe a little too close to potentially stepping on an emotional landmine, I'll just back the hell off and go, yeah, I'm not going to say nothing. It's hilarious because I think you you just spoke to it's like um it's like I'm fine with blood. I'm not fine with my blood. Like, like I am the biggest baby. Like if I cut myself, it's the most dramatic experience. But it's like, but this is a combat veteran putting tourniquets on people. Like, I could do that all day long, but when it's mine. Like, like it's, but in conflict, it's like having to navigate. And I love what you said, because there's such an awareness around, okay, what are my things, right? Particularly in things like conflict and, and what ends up happening is, and I love that you brought up the word behavior because, you know, doing a training earlier this week with some leaders and we're talking about, okay, how do you build team success? And team success is not void of conflict. It's actually having the ability to engage it and be constructive in it. But if you're bad as an individual at it, what makes you think you're going to be a high performing team building success if you compound that with every individual not actually really being good at conflict? And so as I said that out loud, it was like it caused a laugh, but it was such an awareness that got laid in the room. Well, so I love that you said that because so, you know, it's it's funny because I'm you know, I'm, I've recently started working for a new company. And as I'm kind of getting, getting my arms around the role and the team and the people, like, you know, I'm watching some of the communication style. And again, it's, it's a, it's a totally global team. It's completely virtual. So we don't necessarily have some of the, 
the normal face-to-face -face social cues. Also, I'm discovering that more people than I'm used to don't turn their video camera on, which really makes kind of trying to read some of the cues a little harder. Um, and so it's been really interesting because I try, you know, one of the things I learned a long time ago is like, just wait, right? Just wait. You don't, like if something comes to mind, that's, that's great. You could be right. could be wrong, but just count to 10, see what other people are saying and don't jump in. Especially, you know, we've talked about this before. I tend to have a bad habit of sort of sucking oxygen out of the room once I start talking. And I don't want to do that. I'm dealing with a bunch of smart people who've been doing, you know, this in this context for a lot longer than I have. And so when I see something that kind of strikes me as, huh, I'm not sure I get that. Um, I kind of try to count to 10 a couple of times and say, okay, give me, self, give me a little bit of time to see if it makes sense. I'm just not seeing the whole picture right now. But then when I get to a point where I'm like, oh no, actually I see what's wrong and now it's time to fix it. But again, I'm back to, I'm in a new context with new people. And if there's one thing I really catch myself self-censoring around is anything that I think might cause an emotional reaction. And then I'm thinking to myself, but you had a job to do, Dominic. Like, get it done. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna not have this conflict arise. It doesn't have to be negative, and it doesn't have to be a bad experience for anyone. And people might have an emotional reaction, but for me, that's the part I have to remind myself of: is that just because they have an like, there's a certain like inclination I have to sort of let myself be held hostage to the potential of them having an emotional reaction just because my aversion to it is so severe. And I have to talk myself through that. I've come back to, look, just like walk it off. Like seriously, people have emotional reactions. You can't control that. So, so calm down about it. But it's sometimes like that to your point, right? You have to like just talk yourself back through it. And I, and I like, I like what you said there, particularly so I so I, I don't know if you remember in coach training or uh, where I picked this up at, but wait as an acronym to engagement. And so why am I talking? And, and really there being so you are mindful and conscious and intentional with the words you use next. And I love that you said, OK. Am I going to ask this question for clarity? Or out of my wanting them, like me leading them towards some place, right? Oh, and, the nasty, that's the nasty passive aggressive reason to ask. Right, right? Yes. And, so, and so that, and really what I began and I 10X way to, okay, that also makes you, should make you check in on motive and intent of why you're talking, right? So you become known as that person, not just who somebody who wants to pontificate, but there's, there's a level of intention and consciousness. And, and it was said, I was with a group of leaders and they described um, one of the, with their leader that I, I was doing executive coaching for. And they're like, nobody knew in the space I was coaching him. And he said out loud, he was like, when they get things from me now, they know it's important to read. And, and because before he was like that serial email blaster. Oh, and just the spammer and note and everybody started tuning him out. And they that's exactly what happened. And he like he would come to meetings and he would get so frustrated because he was like, hey, um, so this meeting is about the email I sent earlier and this that, and the other. And for the first couple of times, and it wasn't until coaching, and I said, okay, so what did they say? And he was like, they frustrate they, they frustrate straight me so much. 
And I was like, well, what do they say about, you know, when they're not coming prepared? I said, nobody wakes up and they say, you know, self, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to tick my boss off by not being prepared for our meetings. Like nobody, nobody's having that conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, no, nobody ever anywhere says that. Ever. But that was his mindset. Like he, that, he had gotten that point. And I was like, okay, playback for me. What were some of the things that they shared with you about why they didn't come prepared? He said, well, well, one had a smart aleck comment when I asked, well, did you read my email? And he said, somebody responded, which one? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that one just said it all, didn't it? And I, and I, did, and I did exactly what you did, but he, like, I could see it was rising up in him as he said it back because he thought this person was being so disrespectful and insubordinate. And I busted out laughing. I said, oh, you're that guy. And he was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, and it was like, I was like, oh, you're the serial emailer. And I wish I would have had the word spammer. Like, I, like <laughs> that would have been such a better word. And, and he was like, oh my God, I'm that guy. <laughs> like, and it was like, and you should have saw the tension and the con- like melt away. And it, yeah. it, all, and it was about to go into sympathy for like in just cringe worthiness and I was like uh uh-uh, stop yep I, I, I was like I was like you you found it yeah so, now but, you can do something about it right and, and and so he was like okay right and so when when you think about those moments in your life dealing with conflict like how have you caught yourself not wanting to lean into your emotional context that others may need from you um well so you know I think I think what I've normally, it's, it's been one of two ways, right? Either scenario one is because for some other reason, I underestimated an emotional, an emotional reaction from someone. Either I was too distracted with something else that I didn't really think much of it, or I thought it was kind of such a non-issue that it never really occurred to me. Anybody was going to get their knickers in a twist about it. And then I find myself in the situation and someone's having an emotional reaction. And I'm like, the bloody hell did that come from what the hell? What? Seriously? Um, so there's that version. The other one is, okay, this could truly legitimately suck. I'm going to like just put on my tackle gear and I'm going to go in and I'm going to be prepared for it. And I think the reality of, of either one of those scenarios is that um, it's never really as bad as you make it out to be in your head. And I think that to me becomes the most important part. I think when I think in the first scenario, I might have, um, I'm more inclined to catch myself a little bit flat-footed, maybe not handle kind of the surprise. Uh, the, uh, the surprise might like throw me off more, um, especially if like I really don't think the reaction is like worth, like if I'm like, wow, that was a mountain out of a molehill. What the hell just happened? Then sometimes I can get caught a little bit in my own brain about like, whoa, why, why, why is this such a big thing? Um, but I think for the other ones, especially when I'm like, okay, man, this is going to be a crappy conversation. I know I don't want to do it, but suck it up buttercup. Cause that's what you got to do now. You know, anticipation is always, I think our worst enemy above all else. Like the more you sit in your own head, just stewing on the coulda, woulda, shoulda crap that might come at you. Like you turn it into this big, massive thing. And then you finally do it. You're like, 
God, I spent like a week giving myself an ulcer about what turned out to be a 15 minute non-issue conversation. Really? Man, seriously, yeah. like if, if it burned calories, it might be worth it. But if this makes, this doesn't give me any sleep. Like, is that helpful? Seriously, if we could burn calories doing that, then I wouldn't have any problems with it all. Man, this, this brings up for me. And again, I, I don't know. I'm telling you, she needs, she needs to cut us a sponsor check um how many how much her name comes up reminds me of a dare to lead a podcast episode i was listening to and they were talking about when to give someone feedback after you know some conflict has occurred Mm -hmm. and and again it's really that giving yourself space giving like giving it some distance but uh renee called it like her 24 minute rule um where she gives herself 24 minutes or 24 hours it doesn't go outside of that range um based on the extent of the conflict and again thinking about self and thinking about others because again we under we understand that feedback in and of itself needs to be timely needs to be accurate needs to be filled with facts um and not your and, and actionable it can't just be actionable. hey you suck <laughs> Whether, and, and 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 as a result of your suckage um this is what was impacted and and i think people need that to yeah. like to move forward right and and it's and in in the timely part is key because when i think back just to what what happened with me right the in the the procrastination and the things i didn't want to deal with the second third and fourth order effects of not dealing with it and and i have access to the resources that could have helped me process it i have you as a peer coach i have several friends of mine that are certified licensed therapists that based on what I was going through, they was like, dude, if you need anything, wave the white flag. But like you, I don't like my own blood. Nope. <laughs> I know. Yeah, position heal thyself, huh? We're good at that stuff. <laughs> Man, listen. Uh, seriously. No, and I think that's actually, you know, I think that's actually a really good, good point about this too, right? I think a lot of times we think that Oh, I'll push it off to tomorrow, I'll push it off to tomorrow. But like the truth is there is a whole set of ripple effects that come with it. And it's not just because you're not getting someone proper feedback in time. It's not because something else is being stalled. It's not just because it might be, you you know, might be up all night, like angsting about this, you know, potential conversation, but like there are, there are other side effects. Like it doesn't help anybody to just keep kicking the can down the road just because you're, you're feeling stressed about it. I like, I like the 24 minutes to 24 hours kind of rule, because I think the the biggest mistake I have probably made again, when I haven't caught myself having my own emotional reaction, when I, you know, I think that's, I like the 24 minute piece, right? Because as long as you don't like try to jump the gun, like immediately, you have a much better chance of like, all right, hold on. Am I, am I like speaking, you know, what, what's my intent in speaking right now? Like, Am I just like pissed and just, you know, just emotionally fire hosing someone? Or is there actually a reason for me to come back and have this conversation? Um, and I think sometimes you need to give yourself the a window to kind of, you know, go off, count to 10 a little bit and clear your head before you open your mouth. And I think it leads me to, you know, kind of, and it's funny because, you know, this semester of all semesters to have the conflict management and conflict resolution course um in my PhD program and learning about all these different models around 
you know, and there was one in particular, this model, and I can't get it out of my head, that was called the triangle of satisfaction. And in this triangle of satisfaction, there was really these, the, the, the three sides are, you know, the one side is results, right? Which most organizations, everybody's trying to move towards results. But then the uh, one other side was about process procedure and all the rest of these things that, you know, again, if they're in line, they feel the results, but the bottom of it, and I, I don't know if it was intentional or this is just the way I processed it. The bottom was psychological slash emotion as a part of this triangle of satisfaction. And as I was looking, I was doing an assignment and I'm like, the bottom fell out. <laughs> and that, nice of them to arrange them, your metaphor for you so, so perfectly, wasn't it? <laughs> it was perfect. Uh, so, okay, so then how do you, how do you work with someone who, who does hit that point? Like, I mean, so yeah, bottom falls out. You're like, you're not dealing with it. You're not, you know, addressing it. You're maybe kind of just wallowing in it. So how do you, how do you work with a client who's in that, in that point? I think, again, it, it goes back to not only creating awareness, but moving them to, to management right, of what's actually happening. But it, 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 we need to get to a place where they even fail forward in trying to frame what it actually even is. And I think for me, that was the biggest hurdle because I knew what results I wanted. But procedurally, it, it made sense, but it was clunky because I was out of whack emotionally. The other two didn't make sense. So, so for me, that one was so strong. And I think the awareness of where, if we're using the triangle in the metaphor, where, which piece is out of whack? And more times than not, some people have two of the three and, and you're trying to fight an uphill battle. If two of the three sides, like you just got a line, you don't even got like half triangle, you just got a line. <laughs> well, and I, part of what I like about the triangle metaphor is, you know, the, the math of the triangle means if, if one of those has, has grown disproportionately, it does throw the balance off from the others. And I think that to me is always a really helpful, a really helpful way to come back to the notion of like, how, how are you balancing these conflicting needs or demands on you or things that, that are, are kind of, you know, surfacing as you're working through stuff um, and, and be able to come back and say, okay, look, I got to, I've got the emotional component is like so overwhelming to me right now. It's throwing off my ability to deal with, you know, any of the process and it's definitely not helping me get results. So in that, in that model, if I'm completely having to double down on dealing with the emotional stuff, it's like, okay, then what is the process that I need to go through to actually make that work so that I can get back to results. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I was working with someone today and we're ended up kind of creating the Venn diagram because I like, I always liked that that relational question, right? Because everything exists as itself, but then it also all exists in relation to something else. And the ones that matter are where you usually find the biggest conflict, right? So if it's if your emotions are completely out of your sense of, of comfort and control and management, then no, results are probably gonna feel pretty far out of reach at the moment. So how do you like, then you have to come back to, okay, so again, I, I like that model too, right? If you know that the emotional component has just like swarmed out of control and it's making the results impossible, then what is your process? How do you define your process for getting that back brought 
you know, brought back down something that you can manage and bring everything back into a balance that works. Yeah, I think it, re it really starts with, you know, again, the truth about what's represented in each of those areas, right? And I, and I think for so long, because I fancy myself a good operations guy, that I leaned on my ability to, like you said, suck it up, buttercup, put some dirt on it, get back in the fight. Like I, like I was trying it all on myself, which for me, I was in, I was in process and procedure too much. So it was, it was getting bigger, but I mean, I was losing track and results were getting further and further away from me. And so for, for us, it, it, it can happen in us defining and redefining what each of what's in each of those areas. And then, okay, really getting honest about what's true. And I think once I got honest, that was the release for me. What was actually true? I still hurting. Yeah. So frustrated. I was still like, and, and, and once I said, boom, hands up, psychological was the actual area I should have been in the whole time because I was, I was off. And yeah. it was like, and I felt that I was off, but I was like, I went back to procedure. What's my, what's my thing? Lock back in. And I, and I had, basically overextended myself in in one of the areas okay yeah yeah that's awesome i love well this. i'm glad i'm glad that you uh so i always find it funny when when doing exactly the opposite of what you always think you're supposed to do is actually what works oh <laughs> uh, that, that isn't, isn't that the kind of kind of conundrum in all of it it's like <laughs> yeah like wow yeah every single time well, and it's funny because, you know, I think that shows up a lot too. Like, like I said, like, I don't like emotional reactions, but then I find that people are kind of so used to me not having an emotional reaction that when I just kind of like stop and have an emotional reaction, like it sort of brings everything to a halt. And all of a sudden, like, you know, we can have a real conversation and it's just, it's not, it's not what I would ever think of doing. Like the, it, that only ever happens when I just hit a point where I just can't not do it. Um, but yeah, it's not it, but it's, it's always interesting to me how like, you know, that 180 sometimes just is the thing that dislodges everything. And I think in, in all that's happening in the world, um, individually, I mean, through, through in globally, um, tapping into kind of what our thing is, um, or our things, um, but still understanding we have community. Um, that we should be tapping into to support us in this. And, and again, there's, here comes this vulnerability thing and getting back to the place where we're really leaning in and, and making uh, vulnerability operational in our lives. Um, because again, there's, there's something to, and again, it's, it could be situational, but not being afraid to go there um, because who knows what it will support you being able to do. Um, and again, I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. And, and I was off. And, and so if you think about just how you want to navigate through life, navigate to and grow to things, um, really having that ability to check in and have others in your life that you give permission to check in um, is, has really been immensely um, crucial in this time for me. And, and that, that was the other part of it too. I was saying... I was giving people permission, but every time somebody asks, I, I put on the, put some dirt on it face and I'm yeah. good. And I got called out And the day that kind of everything kind of unraveled for me. One of my other coach buddies 
he he kind of called me out and was like, I hear it. Yep. So actually that was gonna be my part of my next question is what are what signs do you notice in yourself? So mm-hmm. the, the having someone else help is always, always an advantage when you've got that. But for yourself, like when you notice that you're not you're not being open to being vulnerable in a case like that. What are the symptoms or the signs that you see in yourself that you try to be more aware of? I'm normally really, really quick on my feet. And during that period, I was very cloudy about like not one or two things, everything. And it was happening in a a coaching session where I literally had more notes and the notes read to, they were to me, hey, stay present. Hey, stay present. Hey, stay present. Like literally within within 10 minutes, I was writing, writing it. Yeah, I had to keep time. writing it because I kept going away. And I'm never like that, particularly with coaching clients. And I kept, hey, stay present. Yeah. Hey, stay present. And that's how I'm, that, that, that's the biggest one for me. What about you? Um, that one definitely is a problem, but I, but it's, um, I think for me, it's more actually realizing that again, I'm, I'm dreading something. And I think for me, that's, that's when, that's what I start noticing. I start getting like a knot in my stomach mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times it is dreading a potential emotional reaction from someone, but it's that dread. It's that like this, something's just like waiting to just fall on you, you know, kind of feeling and that, that just like that waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of just, Oh God, I know it's coming. Um, and that to me is the one where I'll notice it. And, and sometimes I don't, sometimes I'll misattribute it. So that I think is where I get into the most trouble is when I think it's because I'm worried about this over here or that. And actually, no, 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 that's just nice little, nice little squirrel distracting you out there. It's not really what it is. Stop looking at the bright, shiny. It's actually something else. But yeah, for me, it's that sense of that sense of dread and that just like pit in your stomach where you just 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 hit me with it already. Just make it stop. And I think it it begs for you to to expound on how do you challenge yourself to not try to mislabel it. Um. Well, I think because at the end of the day. Um, once I land on what the issue really is, I know it. Um, and I think, you know, the, the few times in the past couple of years when I can look back and realize that none and I was, I was chasing a different bright, shiny object. Um, it didn't take long before I realized, yeah, you know, that, that, that really, that really wasn't it. Um, and then I have to go. And it's that, I think it's more frustrating than anything else. Cause then it's like, well, Ooh, wasting my time chasing something else down, man. Though <laughs> so in reality, if it's worth chasing, it's probably worth chasing regardless of whether or not it was number one priority or not. But um, yeah, no, I think that's really what it comes down to is that like when I land on it, like usually it's pretty hard, hard to miss. Um, and as long as I know that that's that I, once you know that's what something feels like, it becomes harder and harder over time to, to, you know, blow past that moment and be like, oh, I didn't have that, like, you know, that real, like, shoe drop moment, like, but you're like, yeah, if you didn't have it, then you're not done, go back, you're, you're not there yet, um, yeah. and so I think that, that to me is where, where I've kind of figured out that, like, if I don't get, like, this huge sense of, like, 
oh God, that's what it was. Like this like enormous like relief, then yeah, that wasn't it. Oh, at, at, at paying, paying homage to the gremlin exercise. Yeah. iPad coaching. I mean, that floored me. Uh, oh, no, the gremlin was a good one. That was a good exercise. And, yep. and it, you spoke to something there, too, particularly around not only creating awareness about what the thing is, but um, understanding when it's like growing into a, like a monster. Um, and I, that was something that I needed to challenge. Um, and again, we catastrophize really, really well. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and so even challenging, again, what's true versus what we're making true about a situation um, that we're trying to process and navigate. That's been another good one for me. Um, just learning what all that means. Um, and so I've been putting every coaching certificate and class that I've ever attended into practice over the past several weeks to just manage what's going on as I navigate this season. Yeah, well, and that's, I think to me, that's where, you know, it's funny. So I was, I had a speaking engagement with a women's group and uh, one of my favorite questions is always, you know, kind of what would you recommend like for other women? And like, you know, my first, my first kind of point is always that, you know, actually I think even if you don't have any desire to be a coach, I think going through coaching training is extremely valuable. But having said that, I also realized that's a big commitment it's you know not a trivial exercise um so one of the things that i have found that's actually really good and helps in a very similar way is actually improv classes because one of the biggest things that we focus on in coaching is getting a handle on your inner voice right and your inner critic and getting your inner critic to shut the hell up and sit down and just leave the decision making to someone else and that's a huge part of improv. But what I actually find about it is that, you know, when, you, when you're kind of going through that process with other people, improv is an interesting way for it to be kind of non-threatening, right? Like when you're in coaching, training, like shit can get heavy and you get into your own stuff and you're, you know, working with partners who are also like having their own like, oh my God moments. And, and, and that's all great if that's what you're ready for. If you're not quite there yet, or you want to take kind of a, baby steps into that particular waiting pool. What I like about improv is that, you know, it's, it's intended to be a lighter environment, but it still starts getting you listening for the voice in your head that's judging you and that's stopping you and that's telling you you can't do this or telling you that, oh, that's not a good idea or that's not smart enough or like anything like that. And as you start to become more aware of that voice as being different than you, you know, it's, it, that part is, I think, a big part of, you know, the gremlin work is it's not, it's not you. It's, it's the part, it's your inner critical, like, you know, pissy, judgmental, you know, that that's not you. It's something different. Um, and I think that for me, watching that improv experience with different people has been really an entertaining sort of lightweight version of that, which I, I often end up coming back and recommending because it's, I, I honestly hadn't, I mean, it makes sense. You can't do improv if you're going to, if you're, if your inner critic is like, you know, just shouting you down. Um, but it's, it's not as, uh, it's not as like emotionally exhausting necessarily as, as taking on like coaching training. So it's just funny because I think that's, that's one of those things that comes up. Yeah. No, it, and it's definitely an exercise. Dealing with conflict, I think it's definitely the exercise in riffing. 
um, with with your your inner self, and I love and I love the improv example uh, because I, I love uh, whose line is it anyway? Oh God, yeah, one of the best ever, right? exactly. And, well, and 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 you and part of and I think especially when you when you kind of get to the point where you can distinguish between your inner critic mm-hmm. and you know what's actually happening in the moment or what you know the rest of you, I think then you know anticipating being an anticipation junkie about someone else's reaction to something like all of that stuff can kind of be managed like a little bit more easily. Um, and then you can just deal with what's there and what's actually happening. Because I think, you know, again, for me, anticipating someone having an emotional reaction, there's not much helpful about it. Like if you think they're, they're going to give you like legitimate pushback on absolute, like, you know, tangible points that you need to be prepared to address, then okay, that's one thing. But just like the angst of, oh my God, they're going to get worked up and oh my God, it's going to be messy and oh, I don't want to do this. Like there's nothing productive for you in that, right? Like you have to be able to move past that. And so if if part of it is, all right, look, that my inner critic or my inner judge who's going to be like, oh no, you're going to upset her and she's going to be mad at you for six months and then she's going to make every like, every team meeting is going to be impossible because of like, you know, like that, that's not a helpful voice to listen to at all, ever. Because it doesn't get you anywhere. You don't get anything done. I love it. I love it. So, so yeah. So if you think about just one takeaway that somebody be like, all right, navigating conflict, what's your one takeaway for somebody? To be honest, I actually like that you brought it back to the gremlin because I actually think that so much of our own approach to dealing with conflict is about us fighting our own battles and our own demons really has frequently. So yeah, obviously, you know, if you know that your brother or your spouse or whatever always has, you know, a knee jerk reaction, like that's okay. That's fine. You can understand that. But at the end of the day, like just generally, if you're avoiding conflict around you, that's, that's about you. And that's about what, what you're carrying around in your head. And so really that gets back to, you know, understanding your own just, where your judgment of yourself is. And if it's, you know, am I worried that I'm not going to handle it well? Am I worried that somebody's not going to like me when it's done? Like, what is it about, what is it in my head that's making me dodge or duck or procrastinate or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing to avoid conflict? Because it's not, you know, I think very rarely is it, is it really about other people? More often than not, it's, it's our, it's us dealing with our own stuff. Definitely, definitely. And I think, yeah, mine as well is is kind of that getting to what's true and in what's not. And in that way, I can deal with the facts. Uh, you could deal with the facts of a situation. Um, because again, where I am, I am good, like you already alluded to, good at placing things in other buckets. Like, ah, yeah, that's that's why. That's why. Yeah, right. Um, and, and so just being able to check in on yourself and challenge um, those things have, have been really, really a great tool uh, in my toolbox. So, so yeah, so great. great well, I'm glad that your week is ending better than it started. Sure is. So, all righty. Well, in that case, I think we are a wrap for today. So thank you very much, my friend. As always, it is lovely to speak with you. Always a pleasure, Laura. And until next time, folks, we will see you later. Absolutely. Thank you all. Have a great week.
Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.